please, if you brought your Bible, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 through 17 this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. I want to begin a new sermon series this morning called Theology Matters. Can you say that with me? Theology Matters. That word theology might sound a little bit scary because it's a word that generally implies deep thought and hard things. But the fact is that everyone in here has a theology of some form or another. The question is whether you have the right theology. That's the important fact. And uh, in these summer uh, months, uh, these summer weeks, I want to be talking from the scriptures about uh, theological topics that involve and affect our everyday life. And especially as we uh, congratulate these students uh, for their achievements in their academics, this morning I want to bring to their heart as well as the heart of the congregation how significant the Word of God is uh, to our everyday life and how important it is for our life. Uh, all of our lives are going to be affected by what we believe. And a lot of people have really strong beliefs, very sincere beliefs, in the wrong thing. And unfortunately, they're sincerely wrong. And so I want you, and it's our mission here at the church, to have a biblically literate congregation who knows what they believe and that they know that they have believed in the truth as revealed in the word of God. And the foundation of all theology is the Bible. The foundation of our faith is the word of God. What we know about God, what we know about Christ, what we know about salvation, grace, mercy, what we know about every issue that affects religion and life in, in our nation is founded upon how we understand and know the scriptures. And so today I want to read to you the words of the Apostle Paul as he speaks to a young man named Timothy. Timothy was becoming uh, the lead pastor of a congregation and like these students, in a sense he was graduating from being a student to becoming a person who was responsible for the things that he had learned. And the, the Apostle Paul writes and says, You, however, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to bring you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Can you say amen to that this morning? Father, we thank you for your word, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and is able to divide between the soul and the spirit, as between the bone and the marrow. I pray this morning that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask as well that you would anoint this congregation, that they might receive the word 
and put it to good use in their lives. We ask this in Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Uh, you graduates have just finished a career in a particular school. Some of you, I hope, or all of you are going to college and uh, or advancing your education. You've run across a lot of books, and all of us in here, no doubt, have run across a lot of books. But I want to speak about one book this morning. I want to talk about the book that we carry to church, the book that we read as Christians. The Christian life is marked by a book. It's marked by a single volume which contains in it the truths of God's word given to man. And really the Bible is a miracle book. The Bible is a book that contains a miraculous work of God. And when I say it's a miracle book, I don't mean that the Bible is a magical book. I don't mean that you can do as some people do when they uh, pop open the scripture and put their finger down and say, all right, that's God's word for me today. That can get you into a lot of trouble. I shared with you how one man did that. He put his finger down in his Bible and it said, Judas hung himself. And he realized, all right, that's probably not God's will for my life. So he did it again, found another verse, and that one said, go and do likewise. And now he was in real trouble. The Bible is not a magical book, but it is a miracle book. It's a miracle book because it's 66 books written by 40 different men over a period of 1,500 years and still tells only one story. It gives us the story, the single account of God's redemptive plan for man through the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And when you think about that, it is really an impossibility to think that 40 men could write separate from one another without any communication with one another. Moses and John are separated by 1,500 years, and yet when the books are brought together, they give us the seamless account of how God created man, how man was ruined by sin, how God has redeemed man through his son, and how God is redeeming men through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ onto the coming of the Lord. And so we understand that the Bible is no ordinary book. It bears the mark of divine authorship. It is a book which lets us know that it did not come from man's ideas or man's knowledge, but it came from God. And I pray that in the life of every person in this church, in particular these young men and ladies as they go into their careers and then go into their life after high school and college, that they will live their life and that we as a congregation will live our life in accordance to the word of God. Now listen to the instruction that Paul gives to Timothy. He says, you, however, continue. Say continue. He's telling Timothy that he is responsible for continuing in the things that he has learned. Now I know that these young people up here have learned a lot of things. They have learned from their parents. They have learned from their church I have seen them come up through our Christian education system. I have seen them uh, participate in church camps. I've seen them be instructed on the word of God. And I have seen all of you week by week come into this church and sit and listen to the word of God preached. So I know that you have learned something from the word of God. You've learned about what God says and what God expects and the standard that God has set for us. But here's the instruction. God says you must continue in the things that you have learned. 
There is a tendency within man to get um, deviate or to get distracted from the path of God, from the road that leads to life. And so the scripture tells us how can the young man keep his way pure by walking according to the word of the Lord. So we're instructed then that we have to keep this. We have to continue in it. It is a daily commitment in every one of our lives to live according to the word of God. Listen, church, it is a daily decision all of us have to make to say, I'm going to live today by what God's word says over my life, by what God's word says about my relationships, about my finances, about the jobs I take, about the, the uh, decisions I make. God's word is going to be the governing influence over our life. He says, Timothy, not only consist of, uh, or continue in these things, but he says, become persuaded. Say persuaded with me. Persuaded, that word implies that Timothy had to come to a place of persuasion, a place where he was not going to deviate. He was not going to fall back and forth into unbelief, between belief and unbelief, one foot in, one foot out. But rather, he was persuaded of the things that he had learned from God and from the Word of God. Is there anybody in here this morning that's persuaded about the truth of the Word of God? Well, you know what that means? That means that our life doesn't teeter-totter. We don't live on the seesaw saying, I believe God, I don't believe God. We have a confidence in God's word and in God's promises spoken through the text of the scripture. This word persuaded means that I have a commitment in my soul of knowing that I have come to know the word of God as being true. You know, sometimes the devil comes and he will try to tempt me to disbelieve the word of God. And you say, really, pastor, he does that to preachers? Yeah, he does that to preachers. And so I know if he does it to preachers, he does it to parishioners too. And he's attacking us. He wants to question whether God's word is true or not. And you know, it's really an old trick. Because the first trick the devil ever played on man was when he slithered into the Garden of Eden. And what did he ask Eve? He asked Eve this question, has God said? That is the original temptation. The temptation toward Eve was, did God really mean what he said? Did God really say this? Did God really say you couldn't eat of the fruit of that tree? You know, the devil will always take a lot of truth and a, bit of, a little bit of lie, and he will deceive you if he can. So you have to be persuaded of what God has said. And sometimes the enemy will come and he'll say, well, what if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead? And what if the Bible really isn't the word of God? And this is what I tell him. I tell him, look, devil, you showed up too late in my life because I already know that I know that I know that God's word is true and that it is reliable because I have seen it and proved it and tested it and found that it is the word of God in my own life and in my own experience. That's my prayer for these young people, that they will prove the word of God, that they will live according to the word of God. Because when you are persuaded of its truth and you live your life according to its truth, you will find the blessing of God on your life. Now, the Bible says here the Apostle Paul gives us a reason as to why we should continue in the word and why we should be persuaded of the word. He uses these words in verse 16. He says, all scripture is inspired by God. Say that with me, all scripture 
Now, what does the word all mean in the original Greek? You know what it means? All. All scripture is inspired by God. That means that every word of the Bible from, from Genesis to Revelation is authored by God himself. It is the word of God. Now, this is an important fact for us to remember this morning because you and I are living in a country and we're living in a day when people are trying to deny the, the full inspiration of Scripture. You know, there are some people, even preachers, who will stand in the pulpit and say, look, that part of the Bible is not true. That part of the Bible was man's opinion. That part of the Bible was made uh, by man's law. That part of the Bible didn't really come from God. And they have, they have taken the Bible and they have cut and pasted the Bible to suit their own fancy, to suit their own ideas, their own agenda, to decide what they want to live by and what they don't want to live by. Here's a question I have for you. If you start to say this part of the Bible is true, this part isn't, who gets to decide which part is true and which part isn't? Before long, what you have is a Bible that has been ripped to shreds by the imaginations of men. So you know what? I have taken God at his word. He says all scripture is inspired by God. That means every chapter, every verse, every book, everything is his word, and it's his word for my life. Now, the scripture not only claims to be the inspired word of God, but it proves to be the inspired word of God. You know, the Bible, and really what I should say is that God does not require you to check your brain at the door and come into church and just, just believe everything you hear. Say amen, somebody. If you believe everything you hear, you're going to get into trouble. God wants you to think about things. He wants you to read his word. He wants you to trust what he has said. He wants you to think about it. And I know this because the Bible says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. You know God is interested in your mind. He wants you to be a thinking church. He wants you to process what you hear. So when you hear a sermon, he wants you to hear that sermon, and then he wants you to go and check the Bible and see what's in the Word was also in that preacher's mouth so that you can know, okay, this is the Word of God. You see, we have to be governed by this, uh, this principle that God doesn't just tell us, okay, this is how it is, but you can actually read the Bible and discover that it's logical and that it is uh, scientific and that it is accurate. I want to give you a few proofs of that this morning. First of all, the Bible proves to be inspired by God because the Bible gives us prophetic language that it has been fulfilled in human history. I'll just give you an example because I could spend all day on this topic, but I don't have all day, so I know these guys have to get to lunch and the rest of you want to do the same. But here's what I want you to know. In the Old Testament, there are 300 or more prophecies concerning the Messiah. Think about that. 300 prophecies concerning the Messiah. These prophecies include information about where he would be born, what family tree he would be born into, the kind of ministry he would have, and these prophecies even describe the kind of death that he would die. Did you know that the Old Testament predicted that Jesus would be crucified? It says in Psalm 21 that his hands would be pierced and that his feet would be pierced. You know that crucifixion 
was not even invented until 500 years after David wrote that. David was writing about a form of death that the Messiah would suffer 500 years before they even invented that form of death, that form of execution. Now, when you look at the New Testament, you begin to discover that all of the prophecies concerning the first coming of Jesus that were in the Old Testament are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's why when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read, and this was written, in, or, in, or, and this occurred in order to fulfill what was written. Over and over and over again, the evangelists tell us that Jesus was fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament. You know what I think? If, if the first coming of Jesus was fulfilled to the letter as the prophets foretold, and guess what? I also believe that every prophecy concerning his second coming will also be fulfilled just as God has foretold it. And we will see him coming again in the clouds to rapture his church with power and with great glory. Somebody give God praise for his word. Uh, there's even more in the Bible that proves the, the inspiration of scripture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz these students up here because they just graduated from high school, so now they know everything. All right. Uh, the, the, the old, the old uh, poem says that in 1492, Columbus, come on church, sailed the ocean blue. Well, think about that. 1492, at that time, the prevailing science said that the earth was Flat. You guys, you, you, you remember grade school stuff, right? The earth was flat. And they say, well, you know, if you sail too far, you'll fall off the earth. Right? You're just going to go off into somewhere else. Well, in 1492, it really probably happened before that with the Vikings. But we're not going to discuss that this morning. Uh, Columbus comes across, discovers this new world. And all of a sudden, the science realized that they were wrong. In 1492, the, the, the scientists discovered the earth was not actually flat. It was actually round. It was a sphere. Well, if they had just read their Bible, they could have solved this problem. Because the book of Isaiah says that the Lord sat upon the circle of the earth. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a God who knows what he knows because he made it and he inspired his word. You see, they always tell us that the Bible is behind the science. No, the science is behind the Bible. And when you read the Bible, God tells you what he did. Some people say, well, no, God didn't really create the world in six days. He created the world in six ages, six long periods of time in which uh, in the middle of that, some, uh, some say was the evolutionary process. You know what? I believe the Bible. I believe that God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh. He did what he did and he told us what he did in his word. Here's another one. It, it just 200 years ago, 1897, scientists discovered the currents of the sea. They discovered that there are paths in the sea. And if you saw Finding Nemo, you know all about those currents, right? Well, those paths in the sea were discovered in 1897. By a, a navy man. Well, you know, the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel about the paths of the sea. And I think, how is this even possible? Samuel never went scuba diving. He never went sailing. But somehow, when he wrote down the word of God, he was able to tell us that there are highways in the sea. Why? Because Samuel didn't know, but God knew. And God inspired Samuel as he wrote. 
and God inspired the truth of the scriptures. About 400 years ago, one more, the scientists discovered the hydraulic cycle, the water cycle. You know what that means. Water evaporates. It goes into the clouds. The clouds begin to condensate. Water comes down, falls into water, into the streams, rivers, puddles, ponds, pools, and, uh, and uh, the ocean. And then it comes right back up, and it's this hydraulic cycle. Well, the Bible actually talks about the hydraulic cycle in the book of Job. What am I telling you about? I'm telling you that God is way ahead of us in our time. And if we will just read and trust his word, he will make us wise and he will make us able to succeed in this life and in the life that is to come. Say amen, somebody. So Paul says to Timothy, all scripture, say it again, all scripture is inspired by God. That word inspired means God breathed. It's not like you get inspired when you go out and you see the sunrise. That's not the inspiration we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that God divinely breathed upon the authors of Scripture. And as they wrote, they produced the very word of God. Now Paul not only says it's inspired, but he says the word of God is useful. Say that with me, useful. You know that the Bible is the most useful book in all the world. There's some college textbooks that are useful for doorstops. But the Word of God is useful. Well, what is it useful for? First of all, I want to just let you know there's great value in the Word of God. Because the Word of God will bring you hope. The Word of God is comforting to the soul. How many of you, you have proven God's word to be God's word, not because you knew about the hydraulic cycle and not because you knew about all the prophecies, but simply because when you read it, something in it spoke to the soul of man in you and let you know this word is not Shakespeare, it's not Maslow, it's not Freud. This word came from God. This word came from my creator. The word of God is producing hope in the soul of the man who hears it. The Bible tells us about this in Romans chapter 15, verse 3 through 4, that the word of God is able to console the soul of man. Friend, if you need consolation this morning, if you need hope this morning, maybe you say, preacher, I'm losing all hope. I got some bad news this week. I'm about to quit. I, I feel like I'm about to lose my mind. I feel like I'm going to lose my, my family. You say, preacher, I've lost hope in my finances. I've lost hope with my health. I've lost hope with uh, my sanity. Can I just tell you, read the word of God. Because the word of God will produce hope in you. It will build up your faith and give you hope for the days that are to come. Listen, in the darkest of our trials, we can go to the word of God. And as we read it, we discover, first of all, I am not the first person that ever went through a problem like the problem I'm in right now. Second thing we learn is that if God did it for them, God can do it for me. And that God is able to deliver by many or by few because he is faithful to his word. Why does his word bring hope? Because his word is a word full of promises. Listen, throughout the Bible you read the promises of God. These promises of God are not empty 
fairy tales. They're not simple platitudes, but they are God's covenant commitment to those who believe him and who trust him. And if you're in covenant with God this morning, you ought to shout hallelujah because God keeps his word and he keeps his promises to those who believe. Listen, he promised Abraham a nation, and that is the nation of Israel. He promised the nation of Israel a rebirth. And that nation was reborn in 1948. He promised the church the outpouring of the Spirit. And we are experiencing the outpouring of the Spirit even to our day. Listen, God is a covenant-keeping God. And God honors His word and His promise. The second benefit of the Bible is that the Bible admonishes. Really, what the Bible does is that it corrects our life. Listen, you don't read the Bible. The Bible reads you. When you open the Bible and start to read the Bible, the Bible starts reading you. It starts telling you what's wrong and what's right in your life. The Apostle James said that the Bible is like a mirror. It is the holy law of God. And the law of God is a mirror. And when you look at yourself in the mirror of the word of God, what you see in return is a picture of what you ought to look like compared to what you do look like. When you go into and you look at a mirror, the mirror tells you you need to comb your hair, man. It's about time to, uh, to, get that, to get that haircut. You know, the, the mirror will tell you all of the things you can tell in the natural. But the mirror of the spirit will read the inner man. It will read your soul. It will read your thoughts and your intentions. It will convict you of sin when you read the word of God. And I think now we're beginning to understand why people don't want to hear the word of God. And why people don't want to... Read the Word of God because the Word of God brings conviction. The Word of God brings a challenge to our flesh. It says, no, this is not right. This has to change in your life. And friend, if you want to live a life that is blessed, a life that is prospered, a life that is marked by the presence and favor of God, that life is the life of the Word. That life is a life lived according to the words of God when you practice them in your life. It corrects you. It challenges you. It cuts away. The Bible said that the scripture is like a double-edged sword that is able to divide between the soul and the spirit. You know, sometimes we really can't even tell what our motives are. We did something. We thought we did it for the right motive. Then we're sitting in church. The pastor's preaching on some random topic. has nothing to do with us. And then all of a sudden, the word comes and just slices right down to the core of what I was thinking. I said, oh, my goodness. Our pastor changed the channel. This is hurting a little too much because God just discerned my motives. He just discerned what I was thinking, friend. It's not the preacher. It's the word of God. You see, you can get a donkey, and if that donkey starts preaching the word, he's going to bring correction and conviction to the soul. Say amen, somebody. Because if you want to live according to God's truth, you need the word of God. Now, there's a final purpose here and the final benefit, and that is that the Bible says that the scriptures give us wisdom unto salvation. How many of you need wisdom? Listen, our lives need wisdom. And if you look back at the mistakes you've made in your life, at the moments when you, that you most regret in, the, in your life, you're going to look back and see that those moments were moments when you made a decision apart from wisdom. When you made a decision without good advice. 
And you made a decision without getting the counsel of the Word of God. Now, that's because every time we get away from the Word, we get away from wisdom. The Word of God is light. And when you receive the Word, you're receiving light. Some people pray, Lord, illuminate the Word so that I can understand it. No, God doesn't have to illuminate His Word. The Word isn't dark. What's dark is our understanding. What's dark is our mind. Our mind needs to be illuminated by the light of the Word. And when the Word comes in, it says the entrance of the Word brings light. Let me say that again. The entrance of the Word brings light. What are you telling me, Pastor? I'm telling you that if the devil can stop you from getting the Word, he can stop you from having wisdom and the light that that you need in your life. Listen, the enemy will fight you at all costs. To keep the word of God from coming into your life. He will try to keep you from coming to church. Anybody in here have a hard time getting to church this morning? You know, the enemy will just make you lose your socks, your keys, uh, everything. He'll just, he'll get in your way. Why? Because he doesn't want you to hear the word of God. And then, if he can't keep you from coming to church, here's the next thing he'll do. He'll get you frustrated or mad or hungry. Anything he can do. To plug your spiritual ears so that you can't hear what God is trying to say. And then all you're thinking is, oh, I wish Pastor Isaac would cut it short today because that line's going to be long at the diner. And I just got to I just gotta get in there before my blood sugar gets a little too low. And, and all of those things are keeping the word of God from coming into your spirit. So you've got to show up at church and say, look, devil, I'm going to hear this word no matter what you say or do because the word of God will make me wise unto salvation. And so you have my permission when somebody's talking in your ear at church to just say, Shusha! You know, just do it with some gusto, all right? And if you do that once, they'll never talk to you again in church. You've got to make sure that the Word of God can get in. Why? Because the Word of God brings light. And the moment it comes in, the devil's lies are exposed. The moment the light comes in, you realize, hey, The doctor said, I was sick. I'm not going to die. You say, hey, I might be in some financial trouble, but God is my provider, and God's going to bring me through. You start to see the truth over the lie. And so not only does it make you wise, but the Scripture says that the Word of God is able to make you wise unto salvation. Listen, friend. If you want to be saved, the only way to know how to be saved is in the Bible. You know, the Bible said the heavens declare the glory of God. But you can't look at the stars and learn how to be saved. Some people look to the stars for wisdom. They read their horoscope. They want to know what do the stars have to say. The stars have nothing to say except this, look to God. They don't decide your tomorrow or your today or your yesterday, friend. You can't look to the stars. Now, the Bible also says that God not only has revealed himself in the stars, but he has written his his law upon the heart of man. He's written his law upon our conscience. But you know that the conscience can't tell you how to be saved. All the conscience can do is tell you that you need to be saved. That something is wrong 
And that's if you have a, a good conscience. Because many times, the conscience of man, having been building a tolerance for sin, becomes seared to the truth. Listen, if you rob a bank, you'll feel real bad about it. You rob another bank, you'll feel less bad about it. After you've robbed the fifth or sixth bank, you don't feel bad about it anymore. Because you have seared your conscience, just like you sear a steak to keep all the juices in. Your conscience gets seared by sin. The Word of God is what can lead you to salvation. Because the stars can, and the conscience can, but the Word of God can. And what does the Word of God tell you? It tells you simply this, that there is but one way to salvation, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us to go to Jesus for salvation. Listen, Jesus told, Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you all, you study the Scriptures. He's talking about the Old Testament. He says, because you believe that in them you will find eternal life. He said, well, it's the Old Testament that is testifying about me. I am the eternal life that you're looking for. I am the salvation that you seek. And friend, the word of God is able to point you to Jesus Christ. And today, the word of God is like a bright neon sign in the darkness of humanity saying, be saved. Run to Jesus. Be healed. Run to Jesus. Be delivered. Run to Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through Him. The Scriptures testify about Him. And so you can understand then why in the 1960s the devil rose up against America. And what did he do? He took the Bible out of our schools. He took the Bible out of our courtrooms. He took the Bible out of our, uh, out of our governments. Now we have schools and we have governments and we have courtrooms with no knowledge of the word of God. What does that mean? They have no light. Here's my prayer for America and my prayer for your home and my prayer for your heart. Oh God, turn on the light. Bring back the light. Let the word of God prevail in the heart of America again. Oh God, and let it begin with the church. Let it begin here. Let it begin now with the church that says, I will live my life according to the truth of the word of God. Why? Because this word is able to make me perfect. That's what Paul says here. He says, the word will make you adequate. That word adequate literally means perfect. Now, that word perfect doesn't mean you're going to have a perfect GPA. You'd like that, but that's not what it means. doesn't mean you're going to have a perfect score in your relationships. How many of you would like to have perfect relationships? Well, great, but that's not what this means. Here's what it means. It means the word of God will make you like Christ. To be perfect is to be like Christ. Listen, we're not going to be perfect until the other side of heaven. But I can promise you this. If you live your life according to the word of God, God's word will make you more like Jesus every day. And let me just ask you this. Since you've been listening to the word of God, you've been giving your time 
to the study of the scriptures. You've been coming to church. You've been hearing the word taught. You've been coming to Bible study. You've been hearing the word taught. What's happened to your life? Have you become more like Jesus? Listen, friend, if I wake up tomorrow morning and I'm one hair's breadth more like Jesus, I thank God for that. I just want to be more like Jesus every day. I blow it. I mess up. I fail. I err. I do all the things you do. But I want to be more like Jesus every day. I want to see Jesus reflected in my life in some way. When I look at myself in the mirror of the word, I want to see Jesus. The only way that I can be like Jesus is to allow his Holy Spirit, as I open this text of scripture, to come and minister life to my life. And when I do that, all the benefits of the word of God come flowing in to my heart and to my life. I want this morning to challenge you to get to know your Bible. Get to know the word of God. If you don't have a daily Bible reading time, make one. There are so many tools at our disposal today. There is no excuse today for not knowing the word of God. Listen, before you read anything else, get the word of God in you. The newspaper can't teach you how to be saved. Say amen, somebody. Magazines can't teach you how to be saved. Email, text messages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, they can't teach you how to be saved. The word of God alone can do that. And when you get the word of God in you, you have the tools for life and tools for godliness. So I challenge you, pick up the Bible. Bring your Bible to church. Read this word. Mark this word. Memorize this word. Get it in you. Let it change you. Because this word is transformative and powerful. I want to close with this story by Pastor Chuck Swindoll out of Frisco, Texas. When he was in the army, he, he practiced the memorization of scripture. And he had a buddy that he was trying to lead to the Lord. And so the guy told him outright, he said, Chuck, don't preach to me. I don't want to know anything about being Christian. He said, all right, I respect that. Well, Chuck was memorizing scripture one day. And he, he had a, an idea. He said, all right. He went to his buddy. He said, look, I'm trying to memorize these verses of the Bible. And what I need you to do is just hold the card and let me know if I mess up the words as I'm memorizing them. He said, all right, Chuck. So he got that, that card, and, and Chuck began to say, for God so, and, and his buddy had the card. He said, loved, Chuck, loved. Said, right. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would. He said, believe, Chuck, believe. So this went on for a long time. He was helping Chuck memorize the scriptures. And one day, many years later, Pastor Swindoll gets a phone call from that buddy of his. He says, hey, Chuck. Remember that trick you played on me in, in the service? He said, yeah. He said, well, it worked because now I'm serving Jesus and I'm preaching the gospel. You know what? He got saved by accident because the word of God got into his heart and the word of God changed his life. Will you stand with me this morning? And will you just make that commitment of your heart to say, God, I want your word to govern my life. Here's my challenge to you this morning. Will you make the word of God the final authority in your life?
That means it's up here. When I don't know how to handle my finances, I go to the Word. When I don't know how to handle relationships, go to the Word. When you don't know how to handle any part of life, let the Word of God be the final authority in your life. And that Word will produce victory in your life when you walk by its truth. I'm going to ask these graduates to come forward this morning and just stand here in the middle. And I want to invite their families to come stand behind them this morning. We want to pray a blessing upon you. And my prayer this morning is that you will take this counsel from the Word of God to continue in the things that you have learned. Continue in the things that you have learned. If you will do that, if you will become persuaded of these truths, your life will be a blessing to other people. I know the world is attractive and it offers a great number of alternatives and options. None of those alternatives, none of those options can lead you to truth. Only the word of God can do that. You were taught Jesus Christ. Continue in him. Walk in him. Let his light guide your life. And if you rebel from that, my prayer is that God will chase you down and bring you in humble repentance to acknowledgement of what you have received in your childhood. And let me just tell you this, God always gets his man. Say amen, somebody. All right, we're going to pray a blessing over them, but I want to invite the congregation to come forward because I want you to make a decision this morning to live your life by the word of God. Would you just make that commitment? And this morning, would you come into this altar and just say, Lord, I believe your word. I believe your word about everything that's going on in my life. If you're sick, come and receive healing because it's in his word. If you're lost, you can receive salvation because it's in his word. Elders, would you join me up here up front, please? If you are confused, you can receive direction today because it's in the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. As you come, just, just make a commitment this morning to say, God, I want to live my life according to your word. Because you see, America's hope is a church that knows and believes the Bible. And it will live by its truth. Father, this morning we come as your church, as your people, to commit ourselves to the truth of the scripture. Your word says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By walking according to the law of the Lord. This is our prayer this morning, that these young men and young women would not depart either to the right or to the left from the word of God, but that all the days of their life they would be reminded of the things which they have received and continue in them. We ask your blessing upon them in Jesus' name. We pray, God, that you would pour out your grace 
and your wisdom upon their lives. Elders, would you come and help me pray for these young people? Jake, would you join us? Sister Pam. Congregation, will you just receive the truth of God's word over your life this morning? If you're sick, we receive healing this morning. Because the word of God said that by his stripes we are healed. If you're walking in bondage, there's freedom this morning. Because the word of God assures us that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. This morning there's liberty. This morning peace can come into your life. This morning strength can come into your life. 